It's um, it's about six o'clock in the evening. The sun has finally come out. I'm at Minsmere. That's the sound of a load of gulls and a load of terns having a fight, as they always are. I think that uh, squeaking sound is either a noise to catch or possibly the referee. Something's just alarmed all the gulls and the terns, they've all taken off. It's probably the prospect of another Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. Faith Crisis podcast. I am back and Yay. I can see in front of me on a little tiny screen, which is the best way, uh, Joe Davis. Thank you. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Great to see you. And fantastic introduction, might I say. Probably one of the best. I enjoyed that so much. Did you have a good time? I had a fantastic time. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It could have been uh, sunnier. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was in Suffolk. And, um, I mean, the people there were saying they reckoned it's like a month behind. They reckon we're having sort of April's weather now. Yeah. In April, we were having March's and March we were having... Yeah. yeah it's kind of yeah. like everything's behind. So, yeah. um, but I, yeah, saw, saw some great birds, had a lot, just a lot of walking, a lot of being out in the open. Yeah. Did me the world of good. Yeah, uh, it is fantastic, isn't it? What is it about nature and just restoring your soul? It's just great. Well, yeah, mm. yeah it was good. So yeah, it was nice. Mm. It was good. Well yeah. done, you. I wasn't. It wasn't purely holiday. I mean, I was doing a little bit of work because I was visiting old churches, which I'll talk about in a little while. Because oh, okay. I think people are very, very interested when I talk about old churches. Yes, nothing could be more interesting. <laughs> thinking. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, I don't want to annoy you further. How are you? I'm completely fed up and I want a holiday now. <laughs> no, so, uh, well, yeah, no, I am I am a bit fed up, but not least because toothache and, you know, cra- chipping your tooth, crowns falling off, new crowns, dentists, not only physical pain, but financial pain. So, it, mm, so mm. you know, he said, well, you might need a root canal filling. I, and so the backstory is that they threw me off to the NHS because they stopped sending reminders and by the time I booked my appointment it was 13 months and therefore because it was over a year they struck me off so I thought okay I'll just struck you off for what an NHS yeah, no they, they say you can't be NHS you've got to go private now I oh. said well can't I just remain no you can't remain NHS you've got to go private so I thought okay I'll find another NHS dentist which sounds easy but it turns out it's not easy round Worthingway no. anyway uh so anyway i chipped a tooth there's a bit of pain and i hadn't found another nhs so i had to go private and he casually mentions he says well the crown is going to be 500 and you know 50 quid but if you need a root canal it's another 595 quid and that and I'm sort of feeling all weak and queasy at this point. Yeah. Cause I say, oh, thanks, because, you know, I didn't want a holiday this year, so that's a relief. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So it's like, but fortunately, I didn't need a canal. 
root canal. So oh. there we go. So I'm fed up about that. I'm fed up about a little procedure I'm having. Don't want to talk about it. But let's just say they're going to put a camera somewhere a camera should not go, in my <laughs> opinion. And uh, so I've got that to look forward to tomorrow. And they haven't said what kind of camera. I mean, you know, is it going to have a massive telephoto lens? I don't know. <laughs> I I don't know. And I'm scared. Well, I think it'll... It'll at least make a change from you taking films of sunsets. Yes, so exactly. It's... Oh, no, I hope to have some new profile pictures for Facebook. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'm very uh, sorry to hear it that. It is a woeful story. I've been to hospital for something else as well. And it's like, I just think, blimey, Joe, you're old and you've had it and you've spent... I mean, other people knew this, but I, I am actually realising it now. <laughs> I'll be honest, Joe, I don't know whether to feel sorrier for you... Or for the person who has to put the camera. Yes, on. no, I because feel, I don't I think they've got a great view either. <laughs> if I'm honest. I feel sorry for them. I yeah. just, I just say to them, listen, go and connect with nature after this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They'll need a holiday. I don't know about anybody else. I do feel like I'm just hanging out for my holiday, which is in a few weeks. A few short weeks and we'll be uh, there. Poor you. No, and my, my problems I know are very little compared to a world with much trouble in. So, you know, don't want to overcook it, but I'm feeling a teeny bit sorry for myself. <laughs> yeah, well, nothing concentrates the mind so much as having cameras put where cameras should not be cameras should not go there they should not go they there they just shouldn't anyway no. so you've had a holiday what else is going on um well i mean i did yeah i did have a holiday but it was also a bit of a work trip you know looking at lots of old churches but i, Research. I, I don't know i just fell in love with them they just i've always loved old churches you have i really have and and I've just spent weeks in them, so it was great because this. Um, so earlier this week, just a couple of days ago, I was filming in a disused chapel in Llanelli, mm. uh, and it was amazing. It was like a time capsule. You know, it had been closed in about two thousand and five or something, wow. and but everything was still there, and it was it was it had that beauty of ruins, you know, mm. that kind of thing, the wistfulness, and it was stunning. But it, it was kind of sad in a way. Mm. As well, it was difficult to know what to think about that one. But then, uh, on while I was in Suffolk, I just went into these amazing churches. There was a one called, um, well, it's spelt Wenhaston, but it's Weniston. Mm. You should really go there next time you go to Minsmead because it's got this amazing doom painting. You know how in the medieval church you would go in mm. and then you would face at the end of the nave, between the nave and the chancel, there'd be a, a, what's called a rude screen. Oh, yes, yes, you've mentioned the rude screen before, and it wasn't what I thought. <laughs> no, we thought it was one of those dodgy cinemas you used to get up the Edgware Road or in Soho or something, you know, in London. But no, the rude screen is, <laughs> it's like, you know, it was a, a wooden screen with a cross on top, and then above that would be a doom painting. Right. Uh, with Christ in judgment and, yeah. you know, uh, those, he, uh, those who had done well. Yeah, um, uh, going off to paradise, and those done badly, not being <laughs> devoured by enormous sort of monsters and things. Nice. Anyway, this place in Weniston, they apparently they were renovating it in Victorian times. It was a very tiny little church, and they found this sort of big lump of panelled wood, which is with whitewash on it, and they just threw it out. And while it was outside in their churchyard, it rained, and it washed the whitewash off, mm. and it revealed this doom painting. Wow. Which is miraculous. It's amazing. Yeah. And and all the colours still there from, you know, uh, sort of 15th century. All the 
colours of the lovely judgment of people being consumed by Well yeah, all right. There's a there's a theological thing <laughs> yeah. going on, but it but the how lovely. the painting is remarkable. Yeah. And that, so that was that one there was another a lovely little church called Westall, which is you know, you go it's like tucked away in the middle of nowhere to go down this track to get there and it's like it's it's kept everything as it were from the medieval time. It's just not. It basically mm. hasn't been touched because nobody mm. could find it fundamentally. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I loved all that. I had. A, I think what really struck me though was, yeah, just the creativity and craftsmanship. Yeah, you know, I think what we forget about these churches is that it wasn't mm. all about the 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 doom and gloom. It was about amazing colours and and mm. carving and and beauty in that sense. You know. Um, Mm. No, it was just a fantastic. Had a great time. Yeah. The other thing that I discovered, talking of ancient uh, relics, yeah, I discovered a cassette tape of us at Spring Harvest. Oh my goodness! That was a long time ago. Nineties. <laughs> one of our shows, because uh, yeah. Claire's Claire's going through one of these. Uh, We've got to declutter phases. Oh right. Well, yeah. You want to get rid of those. <laughs> well, no, no. I don't want it. I mean, but I played it. I. Oh, golly. <laughs> and here's what I discovered, Joe. What? We really milked the audience in those days. I mean... <laughs> yes. So for those who don't know, we used to... Joe and I, we used to do uh, late-night shows at, uh, we did. at Spring Harvest, a big Christian event. Here the Edith Gratuck experience, amongst others. We used to call them different... A show called yeah. Colin. That yeah. was another name yeah, for it. Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, and... The, and yeah, and so this is a sort of cassette tape of of the best of those shows. Of couple of, I mean, you know, talking about talk about milking jokes until they're long past there. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad we don't do that anymore. No, oh, right? absolutely. We've yeah. changed. So We've much. learned. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just nothing but cheap innuendo. And uh, anyway, <laughs> it was quite funny though to listen to yourself back then. It's quite it's quite a weird experience. I can remember back in those days when we were a bit more egotistical than we are now that we felt so great that we had the best-selling tape one year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, on and all these like, incredible speakers and people wanted this really stupid tape full of innuendo <laughs> rather than I the know. speakers. <laughs> anyway, it was, it was fun, though. It was well, fun. And well, I suppose you could say it led the podcast... In, in essence, this was a sort of follow-on from that, only with a lot, I hope, a bit more spiritual content. Yes, and, and we're so much more mature. We are, yeah. <laughs> we um, we haven't done anything about you having cameras where cameras shouldn't go. No, we exactly. No, 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 we wouldn't do that because it's just childish and immature. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, and also, finally, on this mm. little bit, may I wish you a happy Ascension Day. Oh, yes. Thank you. For it is today. Yes, it is. Someone sent me a very funny little meme that's doing the rounds. It'll lose something on the podcast, but it was a, a picture of a crowd watching, you know, Jesus ascend to the sky. And just one mm. guy's going, oh, oh, I can't see him. Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? I can't see him. And the strap line is ascension deficit disorder. <laughs> so <laughs> made me laugh. <laughs> that's quite good. Yes, it's, it's very witty. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's an interesting thing because it's fortieth day since Easter, so it's Ascension mm. Day is that, and then you get Pentecost is sort of at close of the season, another ten days time. Mm. But um, I just, I'm going to read a bit of a hymn. Oh yes, I just thought this was nice. Okay, so yeah. this is from a, a guy called Fortunatus who wrote this around six hundred five seventy A.D. Oh gosh, in, he's getting in, old then. In Latin, 
Mm. But I won't do it in Latin. But no, I just thought you might like this. This is from the, it's a kind of festival hymn that he mm. wrote, which has sort of different sections in it. You sing at different points. So it's like okay. Pentecost or whatever. There's a different section you might do. Anyway, okay. it doesn't matter that. Yeah. But this is the Ascension Tide section. It says, He who was nailed to the cross is Lord and the ruler of nature. All things on earth sing to the glory of God. Daily the loveliness grows, adorned with the glory of blossom. Heaven her gates unbars, flinging her increase of light. Isn't that lovely? That, that is actually very good. Yes, that is nice. I go, I love, I'm loving the link with nature in this time of yeah. year and all that sort of thing going on. Is it, I hope there's another line that says, and then he will judge you and you'll be eaten by monsters. Because <laughs> that would be in keeping. <laughs> no, you see, you don't know anything about Fortunatus. You don't know. No, but I judging like, him. No, I like Fortunatus. I think he's right on it. He's the Kendrick of his day. It's great. Fortunatus, everybody, as we used to say. <laughs> anyway. I just thought it was rather nice because it's about nature. You'd like it. Anyway, well, no, no we do like it. We do like it very much yeah. indeed. Okay. So, should we get on? Shall we? I think that's mm, what people on, want. We've been prattling on quite long enough. Um, I'm not sure I know what people want, Joe. Yeah, we don't know what people want. <laughs> but thanks if you're still there and listening. Yeah, you, you, this is what you're getting anyway, whether you want it or not. May I say what lovely listeners we have, by the way. I mean, it has been great. While you've gone away, we've had some lovely emails. People give a little bit to the podcast. Some people give a lot to the podcast, even. It was extra- just thank you, everyone. You are lovely mm. and you really encourage me, especially when I'm feeling a teeny bit sorry for myself. So thank you. Anyway, Kate says this. Hi, Joe. I'm a bit behind with the podcast at the moment. Just finished above our theological pay grade. So this is going back a bit, but thanks. Okay. Uh, she says, in it, you were chatting about the importance of our image of God. And I just wanted to ask, what do you guys think of the image of God as being all powerful? I've often been in kids meetings as we are singing. Our God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing that he cannot do. Cha cha. I added the cha-cha. Yeah. Uh, and I think, oh, heck, you guys are in for a shock. <laughs> and there have been occasions, yeah, and there have been occasions years later when some of those kids have prayed and prayed for desperate situations, which have then got consistently worse. And they're left thinking God is either not there or he doesn't care. If he is, as they've been told, all powerful, he could sort out these situations but can't be bothered. I'm aware there are the evangelical arguments about how God could do this and that and the other, but chooses not to, such as reverse some guy's muscular dystrophy or motor neuron disease or whatever. But what if it is more straightforward? There are things he can't actually do, which I guess depends on your perception of the nature of God. So, yeah, wanted to know, do you think God is all powerful? If not, in what sense, if any, do you think he is powerful? Very good. Simple question. Kate. Thanks. Mm. Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> and the answer for me is a definite yes and also no. Thank you. <laughs> Learn to live with paradox. Get over it. <laughs> well, well, I mean, first, let's take the first bit. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think we should look for too much mystery, nuance and perplexity in children's songs. No, no, true. True enough. I no. think certainty and perhaps overstatement even is what what you're trying to do there yes it's acceptable in that sense i think the question is when do you actually bring in the nuance and the the, the thing because i mean the implication of kate's email there was yeah no nobody ever says anything other than that until they've grown mm. up and they find it out for themselves yes that's that right yeah yeah answers. exactly so that there would be a question about the process i think of teaching there mm. and the question about the power power of god well what's your take on it you said yes and no. Let me push you. On okay, that. well, yes. 
I do believe God is all powerful because God's power resides in love. So God is love fundamentally. Um, but if you make a statement like that, then you're you're saying things with consequences that you may not necessarily have thought through. So to love someone implies suffering, for example. If you choose to love, you risk vulnerability and suffering. So William Platcher wrote a fantastic uh, uh, um, uh, essay called Narratives of a Vulnerable God. And it's one of those essays that actually changed my view of God. That's how significant it was. And he said, God is not all powerful and God cannot do all things. And it was the first time I'd ever heard anyone said that. And it shocked me to my core because he said, God is all loving and you can't have both. Either God is all powerful or God is all loving. If you choose to love, you risk vulnerability and suffering. And he, he drew on some research that had been done. I can't remember now. I'd have to go back and look at it. But by a group of people, you know that bit. And I think I've mentioned this before where Moses goes up the mountain. He has to hide his face because no one can see the face of God and live. Um, you know, their face will melt like in Raiders of the Lost Ark or whatever. You know, so but but actually uh, what Platcher's take on that was. No one could see that much pain right. and, and survive. No human could see the pain because God is so loving. Mm. God is hurt, you know, and it, we're back onto that. Uh, I think that thing Steve Chalk mentioned in one of his books about the law of least love, that in every relationship, one partner loves the other partner more than the other. It'll never be mm. exactly equal. And whoever loves the most will suffer the most in any relationship. The implication being theologically that, of course, God loves the most and therefore God suffers the most which is a very interesting theological perspective on it all. So, I mean, I think that's where I come from. God is all loving. And then we move on to, well, in what sense is there an interventionist God? And we've dealt with that before on this podcast, and I'm sure we will keep circling back to it. And we, you know, I think where we've got to before is we don't want to say there, you know, there's absolutely no sense of interventionist God. I think I don't want to say that. But certainly that kind of very simplistic thought that God's all powerful and can do anything. And if I magic up the right prayer, then I can get God to do anything because Jesus said, do anything in my name. Therefore, I better say in Jesus name a lot and it will happen. I don't believe in that. No, mm. uh, that that isn't how it works. That evidently is not how it works. And I'm very happy for the very small minority of people who've experienced that kind of physical healing. But the vast majority um, in, in very serious cases haven't it seems to me so it's it's cruel and unkind to think that's how the universe works because you end up with a very random god who for no particular reason chooses to heal some people and leaves others to die and that's horrible um so we need to adjust our theological views it seems to me right <laughs> <laughs> well you asked <laughs> well, I was just trying to think who loves each other the most in this relationship. I'm, well, I'm that's certainly, obvious. I'm I certainly suffer. suffering. Oh, there we go. Um, we're equal. Um, yes, I, th I think I probably agree with you. I, d I think it's about okay, is God all powerful? Yes, I think I would want to say that. Uh, is He voluntarily not all powerful? Yeah. Yes, that's how I've come to it. I mean, it's the ancient problem of theodicy: why evil exists, why things go wrong. Nobody really knows the answer, but I think that if you have love and freedom, yeah. you cannot have an all-powerful, no, mechanistic sort of, yeah, um, deterministic deity. And um, and I think equally what you said about you know this idea that somehow if you just pray in the right way, God's 
going to answer. Mm. Do you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Yeah, that if you yeah. use the right turn, that actually makes less God less powerful, doesn't it? Because he makes yes. him actually at the, your beck and call. He makes him like a genie in a lamp. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly right. Um, mm. So I think one of the interesting things behind that, and that just it's a bit mind blowing, is it's not just that God is all powerful; it's that we ourselves have an enormous amount of power in terms mm. of love and freedom. Yeah, and He's preceded that. So yeah, I I think. I don't know. It's a it's a it's a thing that we we will no doubt return to again and again and again. I'm sure people will have their their views on it. But mm. um, I think sometimes you just have to sort of say say big things, and you know that actually the big thing is slightly not. You know, it's, there's there's nuance there. There's mystery. Exactly. There. It's not quite what you say. Well, that's but, but that's the second naivety. Doesn't mean the big yeah. thing is wrong. Yeah. It just means yeah. it's a bit more complicated. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you've you've brought us back to that sort of second naivety thing, like where you're. I'm saying, very good at naivety. Yeah, yeah, where you're saying, well, look, yeah, God is all powerful, but but now I don't mean that in the sense of our oh, God is yes, so big, so yes. strong, and so mighty. There's nothing that He cannot do. Cha cha. Uh, this is a this is a <laughs> belief that has actually questioned the cha cha, <laughs> questioned yes, everything. Yeah. Well, what about if you replace the cha cha with you what? At the end, I've got it so big, so strong, so mighty. There's nothing he cannot do. You what? You what? <laughs> or, are you sure? How about that? <laughs> that would be the next stage. You learn their different. I, I, you know, your liturgy has helped me so much in life. I remember yeah. there was that response to uh, God is here. You know, where <laughs> was always one of your. <laughs> yeah. Are you, are you sure about this? Anyway, let, let's move on. Can Thank we you. move on to uh, to Aaron's uh, email? I, I, he wrote a very long. In fact, he started, "Dear Mr. and Mrs. Crisis, long email incoming." So I have summarised. <laughs> I've summarised the email, um, but it was great. He says, "I've recently caught up on all your podcasts from episode number one." God bless him. Mm. It's, it's been just what I've needed. I think I may be one of the youngest of your eighteen listeners. I'm twenty five years old. Congratulations. And I've already experienced... I've gone off him. I have gone off him already. <laughs> I've already experienced one of probably many faith crises. I felt a real freedom from listening to you both cast your pod. It has at times affirmed me in my beliefs, but has also given me some real challenges to my views, which has been a great journey into doubting and discovery. He then talks about working for a, a missionary organisation. And he says, eventually, after a bit of a breakdown, I realised I needed to take ownership of my faith, free myself from the dictatorship like beliefs that I was being told was right and find out how who God is for me. And then he references a podcast called Commoners Communion. He says the guy who runs it posted a video about church a few weeks ago in which he talks about where he sees the church going. He says the main point is that our current church style in the West of big stage, long teaching, concert-like worship mm. was made to combat the primary issue of the time, apathy. But now the primary issue of most churches is exhaustion. In a world where we go, go, go and constantly are inundated with politics, social issues, family life and social media, to go to church and be pumped up and forced to be excited and passionate adds to the exhaustion. Instead, we need to switch to reflection allowing time to be silent and time to rest in God. Church needs to be a place where we leave feeling revived and re-energised mm. rather than feeling like we've just left another busy event of the week. Blessings. Well, there's a thought, isn't it? You know what? It's, that's really interesting. There's a couple of really interesting things here. 
one is you know ever since the Brian McLaren interview, Brian McLaren saying people he 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 thought people were reaching the perplexity stage a lot younger. Mm. Mm. I think that's what he said. Yes, he did say that. I've had so many conversations with people in their twenties and thirties who are in that stage, and I I think that's exactly right. So you know, I think that. Well, you know, welcome to mid-faith crisis, Aaron, and uh, I suspect, like Joe said, one one of many. Mm. Um, yeah, I think he's exactly right. I, I was just thinking about this the other day in in terms of the churches and thinking about the way we've gone. That what happened was you get these phases in in the way worship goes. Um, mm. So the Reformation came in and turned it from a sort of visual church, heavily visual, of uh, medieval church, right into an auditory church more cerebral so yeah you whitewash everything Mm. out and you the pulpit becomes center and it kind of needed that in a way at the time needed to get Mm. that kind of uh stuff in because it's a pendulum swing okay yeah and then i think we moved from auditory church to um what you might call sort of um show church almost you know they mm. went back to spectacle but a very yeah. kind of 20th century kind of spectacle of live yes. shows and yeah and the, yeah. the rock concerts big pas yeah. yeah yeah and putting drummers in boxes <laughs> yeah well i'm all for that aren't <laughs> only the real musicians can be outside of a box <laughs> you know that, i always thought of those perspex things that you put drummers in wouldn't it be brilliant if they filled up with water during the show <laughs> And the drummer had to escape by the end. It sounds very gladiatorial. <laughs> anyway, um, so, uh, yeah, so that's kind of was, again, a, a move away from auditory, but to almost like yeah. presentational stage kind of thing. Yeah. And now I think I think what we need is beauty. That's a personal thing. I think we need to move back. Yeah, that's so interesting. I I, I was up at NEP again, listening to the Nightingales and watching the oh. Storks and doing the things I do all the time. But yeah, I it never I never grow weary of that. And I said to Rachel just uh, just the other day, do you know this is this is my church. This just yeah. feels so peaceful. And you know, when you're walking in the woods and the soft greens of the beech trees and the bluebells, if you're fortunate enough to see them. It's just, um, it's awe-inspiring. And for me, that so easily turns to worship and to just the love of God and and the love of that divine presence in nature and in me. Mm. You know, I just feel so connected to it all in those moments. I long for it to last into the stress of, you know, doing emails and, you know, work life. doesn't always work. Well, seldom works in my experience, but... I love those moments so much. And I actually wrote back to him, uh, to, to Aaron. I wouldn't normally quote what I say back in an email, but I, you know, quoted that Matthew 11 um, verses from, from the message, which, uh, which we all love. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I love that translation and I just think, I think that's what he was getting at. You know, like if church is just another big thing full of noise and full of demands and full of, Mm. uh, like it's not really what people need right now. They They need something that will help them live freely and lightly and, you know, where they can learn the unforced 
rhythms of grace. So, so I think it's not just what you say, it's the way you do it there for church. And it's a, it's a real good thing for us to struggle with, those of us who are church leaders or were church leaders. Yeah, I think it's about having the courage to say less in a way. Yeah. You know, I think that's partly what I'm experiencing, that if we live in this auditory world, this world of constant messaging, or visual world as well, you know, lots of videos coming at you, sounds coming at you, information is coming at you in such a way that it never used, in a ways that it never used to. And then you go to church and it's another set of Mm. stimuli like that, even, you know, to the sermon or whatever. Whereas I think we need to have the courage to to turn that off. Yeah. And to um, encounter the divine in different ways. I mean, it's funny you mentioned that Matthew 11 Mm. um, thing because in um, devotions on Monday, it came up, a friend of mine was leading Mm. it, and um, I'm... I think I'm going to give the uh, hang on let me just look up what the the actual what Jesus the actually actual. said rather than Eugene Peterson channeling no no mm. not you know anyway uh he so the, <laughs> come to me uh, come, yeah come to me all you that you, you are weary and carrying heavy burdens and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light and when I heard that on Monday morning, the phrase that leapt out to me was, rest for your souls. What does that mean? Mm, yeah. So powerful. Yeah. And that, I think, is what Aaron's talking about. Yes, I think C- so. Can we find rest for our souls? Mm. Um, I have to be careful how I say yeah, that. Yeah, I know. My <laughs> soul will need to No, rest. no. <laughs> you see, we've moved on so much since <laughs> the early sorry. 90s late night yeah, shows. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. You were making a serious point. I apologise unreservedly. I'm, I'm going to leave it in because it's just very <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. No, I think, you know, it, it, uh, what, does that, <laughs> what does that mean? Rest for our souls is yes. just something deeper, more existential peace or shalom or whatever you want to call it. How do we make churches restful places? And... In that way, it made me think of that one thing that they say in the Anglican service about when you become ordained, about you you, you receive the cure of souls. You, you have the cure of souls, mm. it's called, mm. which is an amazing phrase. And it's yeah. the old English derivation is care. It's kind of like care, but it's you're mm. charged with looking after people's souls kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and you get cured from that, in fact. Yeah, That's it sounds like an cure. old tonic, doesn't it? A cure of yeah. souls, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> drink, it does sound a bit this. like that. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. a med- medication. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's very powerful. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it's a very powerful idea. And how do we get back to that? Whatever whatever the, you know, cure of our souls was, you know, 40 years ago, it 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 wasn't in the social media age. And I feel like we get so much news, you know, just before I recorded, I just caught some of the, some of the news and it was obviously what's going on in Israel. It's awful Mm. and it's deeply, deeply depressing. And if you want to break from that, then you can always turn to the COVID situation in India and everything. And we are bombarded. We are bombarded with images and things that I feel none of us can really cope with. And of course, at a click of a button, we can get the news, the bad news from all over the world and our social media accounts, some of which is beautiful and lovely, some of which is ugly and horrible. And it's like, how do we find rest 
for our souls in this new context that we find ourselves in. And, and I think we really need, you know, the best brains of the world onto this because surely we can't go on with this. You know, I feel exhausted, but it's not just from going, you know, since whenever I last have a holiday to this holiday. Um, and, you know, it's it's the pandemic we've been in, but it's the news I'm bombarded with day and mm. day. I need a break. You know, I need rest for my soul. So, you know, what, what does that really mean now? I think it's a great question. Well, I think what it can't mean is uh, making sure that just, you know, your doctrine is right and that right. you're going the right way in the doom painting, yes, as we talked yeah, about earlier. Yeah. It, it cannot just mean that. Something for the future, no. For the medieval mind, that was crucial because they weren't mm. going to live that long. Yeah. Most people who went into that church in... in, in Weniston we're not going to be around long. so it focused mm. it did it does mm. and the prospects of them getting a, a a good and comfortable life were not high anyway so mm. of course what happens after you die becomes pretty pretty crucial mm. but it's it's not just pragmatism either it's just saying how do how do you have a a, a, a shalom life a restful life now how do we bring mm. that that sense of yeah. paradise yeah down and what you find in NEP is a kind of little paradise. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I, I get a little glimpse of that whole thing. Yeah, I really do. Yeah. And, and what, what I find in strangely in old disused churches, yeah, is that that same sense of something uh, being connected with something big beyond me, but also being at peace. So I think, I think the challenge for all of us who are attempting to lead in church or speak in church or mm. do anything is is can we restore people's souls through what we're offering to, to them yeah I, th I think that is absolute absolutely right I, you know this is what people are hungering for right now is is just a, a soul a soul place i guess yeah really. so yeah. Th that's interesting isn't it because you chose yeah. that that term for your cult um, yes indeed yeah and i love it actually i still love that name yeah, because soul place is like, for me, one of the primary soul places of, of all of our family life was, was the dinner table. You know, that's where life happened. It's where you laughed, where you cried, where you argued and then where you laughed again. And, where, mm. you know, just where everything happened. And then you'd invite people into that space. And it was just so special. Um, you, know, you know, it's the most sacred place. I mean, you know, the table is an altar, I think, quite clearly. So... So, yeah, the idea of a church that was centred around the table and, and great food and laughter and, and human connection in that way felt far more appropriate than all sitting in rows listening to the person at the front dispense their wisdom. Um, so that's why we intentionally chose that. And, and that is a really important soul place for me. But there is also... For me, I think a need for church to be outdoors in nature. I think, you know, soul places, nep, you know, it is mm. watching storks fly around. It's listening to nightingales and birds. It's looking at the colours of the trees and the shrubs. And, you, you know, it's, it's, it's that as well. Um, yeah, and I kind of, my spirituality needs, needs, needs both of those places, really. Well, I think everybody's spirituality needs those soul mm. places, don't they? That, that, that's yeah, the, yeah. that's what we're coming to, and mm. and so for each of us, I think we have to find where those are and not feel guilty that they might not be where they're supposed to be. 
Yes, because yeah. I think that's that's often the case. But, and also maybe not feel um, proprietorial about it as well, in a way. I think there's... I, I'm just trying to articulate something. I think there's really important spaces that are just for you, you know, that are just yours and you need to be there on your own. Yeah, yeah. But I think equally the challenge is... Can we invite others? If we're doing church, after all, if we're talking yes, about what's yeah, a restorative yeah. church, how can we bring others into that that soul yes, place? Yes, exactly. Yeah, which which exactly. you do around the table, but I know you also do in nature because you invite people yeah. often to, yeah. to walk with you and some of us enjoy it and others of us put up with it. It's just like life. <laughs> uh, but, you know, no, you, you, do so that, you do that very well <laughs> and you bring people in. And so maybe we could think, all of us, about, how to invite others to accompany us into a, a, yeah. you know soul places as well. So it's 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 not just ourselves. We're yeah, restoring. yeah, yeah. No, exactly right. I mean, we started Soul Place Walking, which is a little group. <laughs> Unfortunately, lockdown started the first one pretty soon after it. But yeah, no, we're really looking forward to just having people along to sort of slightly more meditative That's walks. Great. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, so yeah, and 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 what are yours? dear listeners what are your soul places and how does it work for you where is your soul restored where do you feel nurtured and filled up and connected let us know love to hear from you joe at midfaithcrisis.org is the place to send an email well be great to hear from people absolutely yeah do get in touch uh we should wrap up but thank you very much for listening thank you to everyone who supports the podcast recommends it to others thank you reviews it you know gives us a cup of coffee or whatever it's it's we're really grateful for that and it's great yeah. to be part of yeah. uh, this community so um thank you for listening we'll be back with you next week i will see you then bye